Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, listeners. It's been a while. I spent most of last year working on a non-podcast project. I hope I can share some details of it this year with you. But as for the Missing and Unexplained podcast, despite having no new content since 2021, the amount of downloads in 2022 was staggering. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. I'm excited to say that starting this year, you're going to see regular content from me. The plan is to release at least one episode a month for 2023. My intent is to continue to do one-on-one interviews as well as cover missing persons cases and unexplained events. You may notice a tweak or two in the format, but the content will still be engaging and true to the mission statement of this podcast. To kick off 2023, I want to share a conversation I had with author Eve Lazarus. Eve is the author of several books. Her latest is titled Cold Case BC, the stories behind the province's most intriguing murder and missing persons cases. Enjoy my chat with Eve. Thanks for uh, coming on the show today, Eve. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, we haven't met. Uh, we met over Twitter, but we haven't met in person. So this is a real privilege uh, for me to talk to uh, yourself, a number one best-selling author. Um, but before we get into the book, I don't know much about you, and there's lots to know. So I'm wondering, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your writing back- background, and the, um, the other books that you've published? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm actually a reporter by trade, a business reporter. Uh, I worked at the the Vancouver Sun in the early 90s and went freelance for a couple of decades, I guess, you know, writing for various trade magazines and stuff like that. And I really fell into books and history and and true crime about 20 years ago. And it was a bit of a fluke. I was reading the Vancouver Sun one day and it um, had the, um, the home section and it was um, just a paragraph about this guy called James Johnston, and it just talked about James as being a house detective, and what that meant was people would hire him to, to write about their houses, like research them and find out who lived there and what events had taken place, and 
and put together this kind of little books for them. And I, I thought, wow, that's so interesting. And I was freelancing at the time and I called up James and I said, oh, I'd really like to write about what you do. It just sounds so interesting. And, you know, I don't really know about history and all of that stuff back then, but, you know, I'd love to, to find out more. And he said, well, you know, I live in Strathcona, come and I'll give you a tour at, at sort of with the houses in the area and what I do. And so I got there in Strathcona, you know, it's just kind of nestled in between the downtown east side and, and Chinatown. And it's this really gorgeous little area full of heritage homes. And James took me on this tour and he sort of point out, you know, this heritage house over here, that was a, a brothel and over here was a bootleggers and, you know, over here was a gambling joint and this was a Chinese sausage factory and this house had a ghost. And so it went on and on and on. And I was just fascinated by these stories and, I wrote up a few articles about this and I, I found other sort of house researchers across the country and I started selling this story, variations of this story to, to all sorts of magazines and newspapers. I mean, Globe and Mail bought a copy and Style at Home and Nouveau and Marketing Magazine and, you know, I thought, oh, I, I think I've got a book. So I ended up, um, well, sending out about a couple of dozen <laughs> book proposals around the country and I, I finally got um, a, a catch through Anvil Publishing and it was all about, you know, the idea, this really simple idea that a house has a social history or a genealogy like a person and, and that ended up being my first book at home with history and that came out in, in 2007 and I kind of carried on with the theme and for a couple more books and I realised that I was, you know, writing about these stories in the house, but they're all really sketchy history stories. You know, they're all brothels and bootleggers and, and murders that happen in the house and, and stuff like that. And I ended up, I think by the time I wrote Cold Case Vancouver in 2015, I, I realised, oh, actually, I, I'm not writing about history. I, I'm writing about historical true crime. And um, that led to a, a few other books, um, Cold Case Vancouver, Research into that led to Blood, Sweat and Fear. And that was about Inspector Vance. He was the first forensic scientist in, in really one of the early ones in North America, but definitely the first one to, to work for a police department. And he worked for the Vancouver Police Department and, and solved murders all over BC from around 1914 to when he retired in, in 1949. And he worked out of um, the Vancouver Police Museum and Archives building downtown. And we ended up having the, the book launch for Blood, Sweat and Fear there and sort of set up a cash bar and in the autopsy suite. And I don't, Have you been there, Tyler? No, I haven't. Well, next time you come over to Vancouver, do, do drop in. You'll just love it. It's, um, it's the old coroner's court. It's the old morgue and... and uh, it, it's just pristine. Everything's, you know, almost looks like they've just gone out for lunch and it's just this wonderful building. And they've set up uh, true crime displays and one of the, the true crime displays was um, about Esther Castellani. And back in 1965, Rini Castellani was a celebrity with CKNW and he fell in love with Lolly, the you know twenty-something receptionist. And rather than get a divorce, he decided that he would murder his wife, and he killed her with arsenic-flavored milkshakes, her favourite. And that was back in 1965, and he was uh, ended up being caught. 
and um, they still had capital punishment then, so he was tried for, for murder. But they had a daughter, Janine, who was 11 years old at the time, and I'd sort of always been fascinated by this case, but didn't really know all of that much about it, you, you know, except for the actual murder. And um, so I'm having my book launch for Blood, Sweat and Fear at the Police Museum, and we're standing around the autopsy suite having a glass of wine and this woman comes up and says, oh, hello, I'm Janine Castellani and you know, that's my mother in the, the true crime exhibit behind you. So wow. it was all very surreal. Oh my gosh. Uh, to meet her and her mother had actually, her body had been exhumed oh. uh, when they found out that there was arsenic in the system and wow. they'd exhumed the body and they'd brought it to actually where we were sitting to which was the autopsy suite back then in, in the oh. 60s. So this was all really bizarre and we sort of met up a few times and I, I just really liked her and I, I just loved the idea of telling her story and how all this, you know, it's a sensational murder and everything, but I really wanted to get beneath that and look at how it had impacted her life and really try to give Esther, her mother, back a voice and that became Murder by Milkshake, and which came out in uh, 2018. Wow. Yeah, that's an incredible story. I one of the reasons um, I think I was drawn to you and found out about you is that, you know, you you in your books, you do such a great job of intertwining history with true crime. And having a history background myself and being a bit of a history nerd, and also a, a, a bit of a true crime junkie as well. Um, it's kind of the perfect blend. And, you know, I noticed with your latest book as well, like Cold Case BC, there's a lot of historical cases in there too. Like, is that something you prefer over or over something more recent, or or do you just kind of go about picking a subject that draws you in, like you know the the, the arsenic one, where it kind of almost fell into your lap a little bit? Yeah, I, I'm really interested in working with the families. Um, so it's it's a combination of a bunch of things. You know, when I was looking for, for Cold Case BC, um, where when I did Cold Case Vancouver, it was just unsolved murders, and I finished with a, a case that had been solved after um, a number of years, so a cold case that was solved. But this time I wanted to mix it up a bit, and after Cold Case Vancouver came out, I'd started uh, a page on Facebook, and I really found that, you know, because I worked so closely with the families, I couldn't just stop there, you know, here's a book, okay, move on to the next one, because I guess the similarity in a lot of these cases is that, um, you know, they're, they're decades old, um, they were all before DNA came out, and they're all killed by strangers, and so anyway, after Cold Case the, uh, Vancouver came out, I'd started off this Facebook page so the families could sort of talk and, you know, I could do a post up on the date that they went missing or were murdered. And I could go outside Metro Vancouver and, and look at cases outside BC. And that's really taken off. I've got, a, you know, about 22,000 followers, I think, on uh, the Cold Case BC page. And I've got um, several thousand members in the group, uh, Cold Case Canada. And so out of that, came the podcast, Cold Case Canada. And really out of the page and the podcast, you know, so many people have got in touch with me and uh, the, the book really came out of the Facebook page. I guess, you know, a lot of the cases kind of chose me in a sense. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. There is so much to choose from uh, NBC, which is, um, I mean, it's 
great for writers, but it's also sad um, that there there is so much tragedy to write about. Uh, one of the stories I wanted to start with with one of the stories in your latest book that I've actually been following for quite some time, and I've I've come close to. Um, you know, either doing a podcast or writing about, but for some reason it's just never come to fruition. So I was really excited to see, uh, it in your book. And that's the, the story of the missing Jack family out of Prince George, uh, who I believe went missing. It was the late eighties, 89, I think. Um, and it was an entire family who disappeared. And I'm wondering, can you tell me, you know, a little bit about that case and, and kind of what you came across? Because I have not really seen, you know, minus a couple of podcasts, uh, a lot of new information about that case. And it really is baffling to me. Yeah, I did do a podcast too uh, at the end of last year on that because I worked quite closely with um, Doreen Jack's sister Marlene. So I'll just back up a bit. You know, it was 1989 and the Jacks were a family of four. There was Ronnie and Doreen. They were both 26 years old and they had two boys, um, Russell and uh, Ryan, who were four and nine. And they lived in Prince George, and they were having a hard time. Uh, Ronnie was in and out of work, and he'd gone to the pub that was near his house one night, and he got talking to this man. And this man said he was, you know, recruiting workers for the, a logging camp, and he offered Ronnie a job that would be 10 days to, to two weeks' work, and he said he'd also hire Doreen as a cook. And Ronnie thought this was wonderful, and he came home, and he tried to get someone to take the kids that were in his family and no one was able to, to do that. So he said to this guy, went back and, and said, look, I, you know, I can't get anyone to look after the kids. And part of the job offer was that it had to leave with him that night. And he said, no problem, there's a, a daycare at the logging camp. And um, I guess Ronnie's intuition had gone out because he called his mother back and, and said, you know, we're taking the kids with us, but mum, if I don't come back, you know, come look for me, which was all, you know, a bit strange. It's and, ominous, um, yeah. Yeah. So two weeks went past and they were gone and, and no one had heard from them. And, the, you know, the mother started to get really, really concerned and, and she went to the police who, who weren't terribly concerned and um, started, you know, putting posters. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Up and, and just looking everywhere for the family. And they were gone. Just not, not a trace of them has ever been found. And as far as I can tell, they're the only family in Canadian history like where a whole family has gone missing. And Marlene Jack is Doreen's younger sister, 
And she's just been relentless trying to get attention, you know, from the RCMP to, to keep looking into this case and just not forget about it. And she started a Facebook page, which has got, I think, about 3,500 members. And, and you know, I sort of talked to her and I was just fascinated by this case. And I, I just, you know, love what she was doing. I so admire this woman. Um, who just sort of single-handedly has kept this case in the forefront. And uh, I, so part of the reason why I wanted to do this was it was to get the story out, you know, just to a wider audience, both, you know, through the book and, and through the podcast. Yeah, and I think, you know, I didn't mention it. Uh, and again, I, I, you know, just assumed because you and I know the case, but our listeners probably don't, that I think a lot of the reason it hasn't gotten as much attention, is, sadly, is because of, um, you know, they were Indigenous. And I think, you know, Especially back then, I, from what I read about the case, the police didn't really seem to care about them going missing at the time, um, and it, it wasn't a priority. So it is a really, really sad and, and tragic case, and it obviously bleeds into a bigger conversation that our whole country is having about um, you know Indigenous issues and missing and murdered uh, women and people. So uh, it's been a case that I've been following. When you were researching it, was there anything new or startling that you came across that, that someone else hadn't um, you know written about or, or done a podcast on before? No, um, unfortunately not. Um, I'd love to say, yeah, you know, they found traces, but no, not a trace of them has been found. Uh, they did do a dig uh, two years ago, I think it was. It's probably the most recent development that's happened. And uh, the RCMP have a tip, and uh, all got a tip, and Marlene was up there as well, and um, up in the area, uh, but nothing was found. Yeah, that's uh, too bad. I know in 2020, I think they released age progression photos of the of the family as well which was which was quite interesting but it's very tragic that no one's come forward and it sounds like with some of these cases they they remain cold you know if there's not a lead to go on then um you know there's not much to do um when you were writing this book i mean there's a lot of cases to talk about um and i don't want to spoil everything in the books i want people to go read it as well but when you were writing it are there any cases that and I'm sure there are, but is there one one in particular that keeps you up at night or was there one that you just became absolutely obsessed about that you couldn't stop thinking about? I mean, that's the way it works with me sometimes. I, I'll come across a little detail and I'll hang on to it and I'll obsess about it. And I'm wondering if that happened to you when you were in the process of, of writing this book. Yeah, and it really was with the children, the missing children. And there are about four or five cases. You know, there's little Casey Rose Bowen, a three-year-old girl that went missing from her bed in Delta in uh, 1987. It was just really tragic. Um, and, and just uh, so sad. She had um, two younger sisters and, well, her mother was pregnant at the time. And 10 years went past and her mother actually killed herself. So the whole thing was really awful. And when I started looking into it, I thought it was a case like Michael Dunahy. And of course, you know, Michael Dunahy, I think, is pretty much etched on everybody's mind. He certainly, you know, his face is, <laughs> sort of sits in my mind, the little boy that went missing from Victoria in, in 1992. And his parents have been relentless and done a fabulous job of just keeping attention to him and to other missing children. But I'd never heard about Casey until someone uh, posted on my Facebook page. And I thought it you know, might have been another case like Michael Dunahy, but it, this one was, it was really, really sad. And um, 
it's quite possible she's still alive and I'm hoping DNA might turn up something. And over the years, you know, I've talked to the Delta Police. Um, there have been a number of young women, three I think, that um, have thought they were Casey and submitted their DNA and um, weren't. And you know, there's a number of theories of what happened, everything from, you know, she wandered off and got lost and the body was never found, which is unlikely, to um, the, the mother's partner is a prime suspect. He's living overseas and hasn't come back to Canada. And there's uh, talk that, you know, she may have been sold to pay a drug debt, you know, all sorts of stuff. It's just, just a really, really sad, sad story. Um, there's another little girl, a bit older, a teenager, Lindsay Nichols, 14-year-old, that went missing from Comox and in 1993 and has, you know, not a trace of her has ever been found. And I worked very closely with her mother and, and her father and his sister just to, to get Lindsay's story out. And so, you know, that that was just a hard one to do. I guess as a, a mother myself, it's just really difficult. But I, I think it's important to get this information out and just to try to keep them in the public eye. One of the problems with the cases that I'm doing is that before they start in 1943 and go through to 1993, and DNA didn't come out until the mid-1990s. And there wasn't a lot of care taken with exhibits back then. And a lot of you know, the cases with the murders of victims, if they had DNA, it was lost, it was contaminated, it was thrown out. And so there's nothing to test. And, you know, we've seen, particularly south of the border, all these hundreds and hundreds of cases being solved and missing people being identified through genetic genealogy and it's just not going to happen with these cases and you know I think the only way that they're going to get solved is if we keep talking about them you know keep them current in social media or keep them out in, you know books and podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I love the way that you're doing that by working with the families, gathering the facts and, you know, putting it out there for, for the public to, you know, to, to listen to or read about because it is important and, and it is sad that a lot of these cases won't be solved. So even with the advances we're making with genealogy and, and you know, DNA testing now, are you, you know, do you feel hopeful that some of these cases in the book might be solvable or or, or a lot of them do you think going to stay cold for the foreseeable future? You know, a lot of what I found um, doing the research on these cases, the unsolved murders, and the police departments are a little better than the RCMP, but not much. The RCMP won't talk about unsolved murders at all. And even just finding some of these cases, like who was handling them, took weeks. You know, um, there was a dancer, Gail Rogers, who was murdered in, in 1974 in Vancouver. And she was murdered in Vancouver and her body was found in Squamish. It was a hit. And so I, I would have thought that Squamish RCMP would handle it because it was in their jurisdiction, but it ended up being with the Vancouver Police Department. But literally, they'd done nothing on it for 50 years. When I talked to a sister, she'd never been contacted by police. And I'd encouraged um, her daughter, uh, Gail's niece, to, to go back to the police because they did have um, the murder weapon. And they did have some of the clothes and stuff, which, you know, we thought, great, well, that could be tested for DNA now, and they might be able to solve it. Well, when her niece got in touch with the detective, he told her that everything had been discarded years ago. Yeah, even her personal items, you know, wow. hadn't been given back to the family. And, you know, I was just really shocked over that. 
asked and, you know, he was really apologetic to her and stuff like that and said, well, you know, that would never happen now. But you just think, you know, it's, I find that just so tragic. And a lot of these cases, particularly, you know, the ones in, well, it's, it's the Highway of Tears, if they're not part of the partners, you know, a lot of them have just been left with the RCMP. You know, they haven't been digitised. They're sitting in bank boxes in, in some storage facilities somewhere and they haven't been looked at for decades. And part of the problem with the RCMP is, you know, they turn these guys over and, and women every five years or so. So they don't get time to look at, you know, cold cases or, or really to get into the files. So just nothing happens. Yeah, I uh, for my series with Ryan Stuka, I spoke with someone from the RCMP, and you know they kind of alluded to that that um, you know it's also just case management and how many open cases they have versus how many active ones, and you know they can't get to everything, which is which is a shame. Um, so you're right now you're promoting this book, and right before we went uh, on here, you were saying you're trying to work on another one. You're already onto the next project, uh, and you're saying it's been a bit of a bit of a challenge. But I'm wondering, what can you tell me about what's next? Uh, is it another cold case book? Are you you know going back to kind of like a one through line narrative sort of situation? Anything you can share would be would be great. Yeah, no, it's certainly not a secret. It's been something I've been fascinated for for a long time. Have you heard of the Empress of Ireland? these ships that sank in 1914. You know what? Surprisingly, considering how much my own project right now I'm working on shipwrecks, I have not heard of that one. I have not either. And pretty much um, nine out of 10 people I ask have not heard anything about this. And this was a ship that was sailing from Quebec City to Liverpool in 1914. And it was... um, I've read statistics that say one in 35 Canadians can uh, have an ancestor that went on that ship. You know, we had, I think, 97 trips back and forth, um, bringing immigrants back. And, and when it sank in 1914, it was hit by a column, and it sank in 14 minutes, and more passengers died. There are over a 1,000 died um, on the Empress of Ireland than died on the Titanic two years earlier. Yet no one's ever heard of it. And I just find that such a tragedy. There, you know, it's been the odd book and there's a museum in, in Ramuski and I just really want to do the human stories. I, I'm tracing some of the survivors and and just looking what happened to them. And, and there weren't very many. There are only 262 survivors from the ship. And so that's, that's my project. It's quite a different thing for me. And, not true crime exactly. <laughs> no, it's the history again, which I, I'm fascinated mm. with. My, I'm also one of the reasons I was on such a hiatus with the podcast was working on an article about a shipwreck. So uh, it's really neat to hear that we have that that passion in common. Um, that's really, really fascinating. Where can people right now, where can they go and uh, buy Cold Case, Cold Case BC? Well, in Canada, it's everywhere now. All the indie bookstores, chapters, Amazon, um uh, I believe it's out in London Drugs, Save on Foods now, and also BC Ferries. If it's not, it should be out any second. But any bookstore will be able to, to get it for you. It's coming out in the States in May. Okay. And then internationally, is it online the best, like Amazon or...? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, great. Yeah, that's that's excellent. And I, I anyone listening, uh, you should go pick it up uh, and give it a read. Eve, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's it's been a privilege. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Eve. 
If you like this episode and want to support the podcast this one time, you can buy me a coffee at the link in the description. If you want to support the podcast on a monthly basis, you can head over to the Patreon at the link in the description. There you'll find ad-free episodes, early access to content, and in the future, bonus material. Thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained Podcast.